from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. It's interesting that he was trying to push these ideas so soon after we saw the collapse of those financial markets. Do you think that made his job harder? This was bad timing. Yeah, that could be it. Um, I think the other thing is that the ideology that Rex has is that, you know, he can just use his money to shape the region. He can become, walk in and say, I'm the king, I'm the feudal regent, and just spend his way into power. The problem that we always get into with like sort of neoliberal ways of redistributing wealth through charities is that we always have to come to rich people on their terms and ask for things like access to art or sports or culture. And that's not really how uh, culture should work. I'm Sarah Fetsky. Twelve years ago, Rex Sinkfield moved back to St. Louis with big plans to transform his hometown. He'd made more than a billion dollars in finance. Now he wanted to make political change. St. Louis Magazine reported that he planned to, quote, use his millions to show the show-me state how to succeed. Sinkfield had big ideas, lots of money, and believed with the conviction of an apostle that he could turn St. Louis into a libertarian paradise, writes Devin Thomas O'Shea in a recent story in Current Affairs. Now, it's safe to say Sinkfield did not succeed. In recent election cycles, both St. Louis City and county have gone from solidly Democratic to even further to the left. And most of Rex Sinkfield's signature policy initiatives have failed to gain traction. So what happened? And what lessons can progressives in other cities learn from it? Devin Thomas's O'Shea's story is called How the King of St. Louis Was Defeated for Now and How You Too Can Topple Your Local Hometown Billionaire. It's a provocative story, and here to discuss it is Devin Thomas O'Shea. Devin, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So your story examines the wreckage of Rex Singfield's signature political initiatives. And as you point out, this was not a given when he moved back to St. Louis in 2009. You read the media coverage from the time. Did people treat his success as a given? Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, this is in 2009 when everyone is still a little hungover from the Bush era and Obama is newly in office, and the Tea Party is sort of uh, galvanizing against him. And I think it was pretty well understood even then that, you know, the Koch brothers were astroturfing the Tea Party and making sure that it was a political movement that could get off the ground. So there was a lot of um, momentum behind these libertarian ideas. And as, like, I quote in the piece, Jacob Weisberg at Slate sort of points out the absurdity of uh, trusting, you know, the heroic market that libertarians believe in, mm-hmm. um, especially in the, quote, like, financial carnage of 2008. Mm-hmm. So it was a very different time. And it's interesting that he was trying to push these ideas so soon after we saw the collapse of those financial markets. Do you think that made his job harder? This was bad timing. Yeah, that could be it. Um, I think the other thing is that uh, one of the things that I really try to get to in the piece is just that part of the ideology that Rex has is that, you know, he can just use his money to shape the region. He can become walk in and say, I'm the king, I'm the feudal regent, and just spend his way into power, which he's done a lot of that. But St. Louis is an extremely complex political landscape with lots of different players. 
and lots of different motives. And I think that was one of the things um, I think that is unique about St. Louis is the history, the fracture lines, and sort of these chronic problems that really can't be solved by just one guy coming in. It is interesting. You almost point to how ungovernable the city has become, and the oh, region yeah. has become, that this ended up helping the people that were trying to stop him in his tracks. Yeah, I mean, there's. Uh, I wish that I could say that it was entirely grassroots movements, like, you know, or that I could point to Action St. Louis. I mean, Action St. Louis, the Arch City Defenders, all these grassroots political activists are like huge heroes in this story. And, you know, their work is like uh, incalculable. But there's also a bunch of different political um, interests in St. Louis, including just other rich people and political dynasties that didn't want to bend the knee to Rex, you know. And this made his job so much harder. Yeah, that and sort of, um, I think, like you said, in in the era in 2009, it's just a lot of people don't want to trust the market that had just bucked the entire economy. Hmm. So you ended up coming up with eight steps for people who want to replicate this this uh, this success in stopping him elsewhere. And before we get to that list, though, I do want to mention that we reached out to Rex Singfield's spokesman for a comment. And the spokesman wrote, quote, to say Mr. O'Shea's article is inaccurate would be an understatement. It's fiction and frankly libel. To our knowledge, Mr. O'Shea never reached out to Rex or anyone on our team for an interview request. Is, is that true? Did you attempt to get to his side of this? Well, I worked for Rex for a little while at SEAM, and I spoke to people who had worked at Pelopidus before. Mm-hmm. And Pelopidus is Rex's uh, shell company, and uh, it's not libelous. It's not fiction. But, but uh, did you reach out to him uh, for this story for Current Affairs? Uh, I did not reach out to Rex directly because I did not think that I would get a hold of him. Um, okay. But, I mean, the fact is, you know, all of the stuff that I use is in the public domain. Everything that uh, I cited in the article extensively is right there in plain sight. I just aggregated it. So his uh, his spokesman, they, they attached a pretty long note from Jeannie Sinkfield, who's Rex Sinkfield's wife, and it did have a few corrections. They didn't get to the heart of the story, but we will still note those on our website. How, do you know if they've co- requested a correction from you or from Current Affairs? No, not to my knowledge. So the one thing they shared with us that did go to your bigger thesis, this is a direct quote from the statement from Jeannie Sinkfield. Quote, while some see failure in some of our projects, we see change. The Better Together project resulted in the creation of a board of freeholders approved by St. Louis, which has the authority to present ballot initiatives to approve a merger of the city and county. Also, Missouri citizens approved a ballot measure to limit future counties and cities from imposing earnings taxes, allowing voters in the cities of St. Louis and Kansas City to approve the renewal of earning taxes every five years. So that's their perspective on this. We also did get a tweet this morning from Marie on Twitter. She writes that she feels that he doesn't have waning political influence. Quote, Rex bought a statewide vote forcing the city to reauthorize the e-tax every five years and prevent new earnings taxes by cities. He bought local control of city police department with conditions, bought Prop P for city and county police. He owns the Missouri legislature and state government. Even though we saw better together, airport privatization, Um, You know, the earning tax continues to get renewed by voters. In some ways, is he still winning? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Marie is completely right that there's a ton of things that he has won, Um, especially, I mean, the... (laughs) 
the earnings tax that has to be voted on every five years to re-up it is sort of one of the most absurd ideas and like um in deciding should we every five years decide to blow a giant hole in the city's budget and essentially force the city into a place where it would have to do all the things that rex wants to do which is privatize the airport maybe privatize the water who knows we could privatize some bridges or some roads you know Mm -hmm. anything that would free the markets that would you know make things better for uh you know, the libertarian sort of worldview. Mm-hmm. So, Devin, in your eight tips you have here, um, one of your tips is evaluate your libertarian menace, understand them psychologically. As you mentioned, you did intern back in the day. This was an unpaid internship for the Children's Education Alliance of Missouri. Um, you said at the time you, were, you weren't even aware when you first did this that, that you were working for Rex Singfield. But tell us, I mean, as you've put some thought into this story and, and evaluated uh, Rex Singfield, what's your understanding of him psychologically what do you think drives him well i i will say that i think that um you know my grandfather grew up in the foster care system in st louis and my mother also spent time in catholic charities and so i'm very uh sympathetic to the fact to rex's origin story which is growing up in st vincent's and that is an orphanage yeah which is in Normandy and sort of like, you know, basically in the same area as like Michael Brown, which is sort of a profound small city uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, it it shouldn't be glanced over that Rex wanted to become a priest at one point and went to the seminary and then at the Chicago School of Business came to this libertarian ideology under, you know, the influence of guys like Milton Friedman and um, how that ideology can, even if you have the best intent, even if you want to help lots of people, uh, that ideology sort of demands that you do things uh, like double down on libertarianism instead of ever admitting, like, perhaps the market cannot solve problems like um, violence or crime or health care or education. You know, the sense I got from your story is that Rex Singfield himself um, probably believes all of this in a, in a very deep way, that this is not something that he's just pushing on other people. He really thinks this will help, but that he's maybe mm-hmm. surrounded by other people who are happy to take his money and maybe don't believe in it the same way he does. They're, they're more the mercenaries. Yeah, I get the sense that that's a lot of how uh, the world of rich people works, which is rich people want to exact power upon let's say a city and that city seems complicated as we've talked out and then someone will come along inevitably and say i can do that for you just give me you know the keys to the car and uh that is how i think a lot of um just the political apparatus that's full of like people who want to counsel you or sell you data services or advise you are all sort of like telling you that, you know, I can spin uh, yarn into gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, in many cases, didn't end up being gold. Yeah, and created sort of bad work environments and sort of uh, didn't, you know, it's it's not a, you know, politics is not a very fulfilling, uh, I think, profession. But like, if you have to work for the libertarian billionaire 
just as so many people in Missouri politics have had to, it sort of is like, you know, compromises your morals if you can't um, work towards like a better St. Louis under your understanding of like justice or like, you know, exerting, I, I guess having to work for somebody else's ideology is like morally scarring, it feels to me. Uh, we do want to note that the letter from Jeannie Sinkfield touted the couple's philanthropy. Quote, we strongly support education for Missouri students in public schools, including traditional and charter, in private schools and through virtual learning. For example, we support musical composers from kindergarten to university through the Mizzou New Music Initiative. We also support research on education through the Show Me Institute and the St. Louis University Research Institute. We also provide funding for scholarships through the Today and Tomorrow Education Foundation and a number of other organizations. We also also fund the St. Vincent Children Home, an orphanage in North St. Louis where Rex himself grew up. Now, we had specifically asked um, the spokesperson if the couple intends to stay active in the political arena, and Jeannie Sinkfield's letter did not answer that. In our final 30 seconds here, Devin, um, your final point is don't assume the war is over. Do you think Rex will make a return to the political arena? Uh, I don't know. I think that, you know, just to say something of the charities, though, I I recognize the charities are good and that, like, but the problem that we always get into with, like, sort of neoliberal ways of redistributing wealth through charities is that we always have to come to rich people on their terms and ask for things like access to art or sports or culture. And that's not really how uh, culture should work. Well, Devin Thomas O'Shea, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You can read Devin's story in Current Affairs. It's also linked on our website, stlpr.org. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.